For the first time in forever, the Packers are looking up at the Detroit Lions. If you look at the odds, the Lions are the favorite in the NFC North. The Packers are trying to catch them. So we check in with our pal Matt Derry over at Locked On Lions to see if it really is all sunshine and rainbows in the Motor City. An off-season crossover gets started right now. You are Locked On Packers. He's got great speed. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Christian Watson down the sideline. Locked On Podcast Network. And he will score. Your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Great conversation with Matt Derry from Locked on Lions on the show. Let's get into it. What's good, everybody? Matt Derry with you. Peter Bukowski as well. Locked on Lions, Locked on Packers. Crossover a Wednesday. I should say Thursday edition. I don't even know what day it is. It is Wednesday, June 28th into Thursday, June 29th. I just love this man so much. It's been such a long time. Thanks for making us your first listen. Thanks for being an everyday or whether it's on Locked on Packers or Locked on Lions. But Pete, excitement in the air. We got training camp in like a month. And here we are, you and I talking to the Lions and Packers. We had to set this up. How have you been? What's going on up in uh, Ashwabanon? Come on. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, not much has changed since last year, Matt. Um, no, everything has changed. That's what makes this such a fun off season for Packer fans. Um, in a lot of ways, it's a scary, anxious time because you don't know what you're going to get. And that makes it really exciting for me as someone who gets to cover this every day. Like, you know how it is. And I, I, I'm, I would be interested to hear if you felt this during the Matthew Stafford experience where it's just sort of like, I know what this is going to be every week of every year because it looks the same for so long. And all of a sudden you get this new thing and there's this wave of excitement. Matt LaFleur was that for this team. And so this is a really exciting season to see what Jordan Love has, you know, unless and until he's terrible, but then it'll be interesting and exciting in a new kind of way. So I'm having fun here. What about you guys? Oh my gosh. I mean, this town is just going nuts and you know, this and you and I've talked so many times, but it's a lion's town first and foremost, but now, Baseball team's terrible. Basket, the basketball team, I mean, the Pistons are still rebuilding, and it's been a while now, and the Red Wings have been disappointing in their rebuild. So it's like, can we get something to save us here as Detroit sports fans? And it's the freaking Lions. Can you believe that? And it's it's all positive. I mean, somebody asked me the other day about, well, the Jamison Williams thing, is that a stain on what's going on? I said, not at all. Yeah, he's suspended and the gambling stuff, and it sounds like there's more gambling suspensions coming, according to Adam Schefter today, but you know, for the most part, anything that's ever negative that happens just immediately gets turned right around to, oh my gosh, we got Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes and these cool helmets and all this player and that player and the drafts have been good. So no, there's nobody. Did you like the alternates? I have to say, I, I did not love the alternates. You didn't love them? Mm-mm. I think, th- I think their classic uniform is pretty, is pretty great. Like I just kind of don't, I feel like some teams you don't need to do the weird alternates and they're like the silver and the silver and blue is great. Well, the sleek lion and the from the old school 50s and 60s, people are into. They're only going to wear them twice. 
the one knock on it was that they weren't, they're going to wear those with their color rush grays. People wanted to see them with the blue or the white, but oh man, everything's, everything's roses here. There's not a single person here that doesn't think they're not, they're, they're not going to win the division. Uh, it's getting cocky around here, Pete. Can you believe that? You guys have owned this division and uh, obviously the Vikings too, but no, everybody thinks it's Detroit's. Well, I have to tell you, um, I have a Packers to win the NFC North ticket at better than four to one odds. So it's not that I think that that's necessarily what is for sure going to happen. I, I just think this division is so up for grabs. Like, I, like all of these teams, I think, can make, with the exception really of Chicago, unless Justin Fields makes some huge, huge leap um, with apologies to Lauren Cox. I, like, I just don't see them being in it. I think the Lions, Vikings, and Packers are all really, really close. They all have these these question marks that come in and, and actually I came in really excited to pose this question to you um so I was listening to a, a, a show and they were talking about okay what is what is the thing if the Lions are going to make the leap this year or a quasi leap nine and eight last year to be like an 11 win a bona fide this is good they win the division team what is going to change because they were already a really good offense last year yes and it seems tough to expect like Jared Goff and co to keep that level of play. You lose DJ Chark, Jamison Williams out half the year. Like, I don't know. That seems like it's going to be tough. It's got to come from the deep defense, right? Yeah. But I, I think the offense can actually be better. And that's crazy to think when they were top five last year, because they were really one, right. They didn't have a home run hitter, at least healthy Deandre Swift at times at a few games where it's like, all right, swing pass and boom, he, he breaks yeah. 30, 35 yards. But, I think they think Jameer Gibbs is going to be that guy. I think they think, and again, this is them thinking, not me. Sam Laporta is going to be better than Hawkinson uh, and more explosive and not just catch the ball and drop to the ground like Hawkinson did. <laughs> and then you get Jamison Williams back for week seven and, and beyond, they hope. So you're getting, you know, uh, 11 games out of him or whatever. And, and he's really good. And so you go, wow, on top of having a dominant offensive line and, David Montgomery, maybe an upgrade from Jamal Williams. We'll see. Um, so I think, and, and, and Ben Johnson back for another year. So you've got some chemistry with the, with the offense. Yes. Like you said, the defense, can it get any worse than it was last year? Probably not because there were times yeah. that they were really bad. Right. But another year of Hutchinson improvement at linebacker drafted Jack Campbell in the first round, the secondary is 10 times better. But biggest thing that I've said is tough to open up the season in prime time with everybody watching against the chiefs with a brand yeah. new secondary, that's going to be difficult, but no, I'm not going nine. I'm not going from three to nine to 13 or 14. I'm not, I, I think it's could be 11 maybe, but they got a lot of breaks in the second half of last year. And then they caught you guys at the right time at the end of the year yeah. last year. So we'll have to see. I, everybody wants to know about, Jordan Love. I know you're you you seem excited about uh, what's going on up there with the quarterback position, right? Well, I I've, I've been I, I would say generally in the upper percentile of of people who believed in Jordan Love going back to the draft. Um I I really liked the talent. I really liked when he was a sophomore, what he showed that that season, that breakout season at Utah State. And I know it was at Utah State. I was just like this guy is the modern quarterback. He can move, he can create off script. And what I thought was so interesting, Matt is Going into the 2020 draft, we didn't really know where the Packers stood with Aaron Rodgers. He, you know, he had the bad 2015 season, 2017 breaks his collarbone, 2018, Mike McCarthy gets fired. 2019 is like a meh season statistically. 
And so there were a lot of questions about what the future was going to be. And Matt LaFleur was asked at the combine. I, I will never forget this. And he said, okay, if you decide to take a quarterback, what are you looking for? And LaFleur essentially tallied off point by point the strengths of a Jordan Love scouting report. Like we'll stand in and make a throw. We'll th be willing to throw over the middle, can create off script, has the arm, the arm talent that you can't teach, all of that stuff. That's the strength part of Jordan Love's game. Now, we could talk about some of the flaws that exist and some of the things that he's had to clean up mechanics-wise, but th they looked at the strengths that he has, the upside that he has, and went, this guy checks every box for us. And the excitement right now in that building, we had Jordan Rodriguez on the show earlier this week talking, and he and she had extensive conversations with Matt LaFleur. She actually talked to LaFleur like the day after the Schneidman expose piece on the athletic came out and Aaron Rodgers is like ripping people and telling, telling tales out of school and all this stuff. And still Matt LaFleur was candid about, you know, that experience and, and what um, they're excited about with Jordan Love. They're really excited for Jordan Love. And I think a lot of the fans are too, just because, as I said earlier, it's something different. Let's see what, what he can do. That's really exciting. Do, do you take credit for being one of the first Aaron Rodgers haters? I mean, you were on the <laughs> You were always like, hey, I think the Packers are still really good, but this guy's game is deteriorating. You said it years ago. You and I yeah, talked about week 18 last year. Remember? Well, you it's said really it. funny. Like, you, know, you weren't surprised. No, I wasn't. But what's funny is if you go back to 2015, 2016, I was, and there was this sort of like, hey, are you sure? I, I think it was actually after 2017 going into 2018. That's when the analytics crowd really came out and was like, are we sure Aaron Rodgers is still an elite quarterback? And I was like, yes, I'm sure. And I was defending Aaron Rodgers. But then after 2018, and I, I don't remember if it was before the 2019 season or after, I, I, did, I went through and basically charted every game of Aaron Rodgers and found that the, one of the biggest reasons the offense wasn't working was him that he was missing throws, he was missing reads. And then, you know, we know what happened 2020 and 2021. He goes John Wick and tears through the <laughs> league and reminds us all that he's Aaron Rodgers. But then last year, it was a little bit of a reversion to the buddy ball stuff. I'm just going to throw to Alan Lazard, 50-50 ball, it's third and two, and I'm going to I'm gonna throw a 40-yard go ball into coverage. Missing open receivers, getting, getting jumpy in the pocket, like, and then hurt. A lot of the Packer fans that are big Aaron Rodgers fans will say, well, he was hurt. Well, guess what doesn't happen a lot? 39-year-old quarterbacks playing 17 healthy games. That's just, this is just part of the deal. So yes, he had a rib injury. Yes, he had a broken thumb, but he wasn't great before the thumb and he wasn't great after the bye when the thumb healed. So what are you getting? I think it was more than anything. It was just disinterest. And that's the problem is you're riding this Aaron Rodgers roller coaster. You don't know. Has he had his ayahuasca that day? We don't know. Has, <laughs> you know, you're rolling out all the old bits right now. You know that. <laughs> I knew you'd you play the greatest hits <laughs> more on our conversation with Matt Derry from locked on lions coming up in just a second. Before we get there, take your first swing at betting major league baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. You put in 20 bucks, you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200. You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. Brewers just got a nice couple wins against the Mets. 
maybe that's trending again in the right direction. Although there's now there's rumors about Craig Council and David Stern and uh, in in New York. It's a whole thing. It's very weird. I don't I don't like it. But I do like FanDuel. In fact, I love FanDuel. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Matt and Pete, we're back with you. Locked on Lions and Locked on Packers. Off-season crossover. You guys start up training camp, uh, what, about a month from now? Yeah, same, same almost a month from today. It's crazy. So give me give me something no one's talking about that you're – I mean, everybody's talking about Jordan Love, and that's it. But what else is the story there? I mean, give me throw something at me, and I'll throw something at you, too. So I think locally it's gotten a lot of play, but maybe it has not gotten to, you know, lion circles. And that is um, this, this rookie class is fast, fast. A lot like – it's like think of the Jameer Gibbs pick, but like it's the whole class. Luke Musgrave, Musgrave is a size-speed monster from Oregon State at tight end. Ellen Jenkins was on Good Morning Football recently just raving about this guy is wild. Um, he he was um, tested at the Senior Bowl going over 21 miles per hour, which is like that's, – that's wide receiver fast. Tucker Craft, same sort of thing. He is um, in the 90-plus in the percentile in terms of athleticism, South Dakota State. And then Jaden Reed. Um, who, who I'm sure a lot of your listeners know yep. about at Michigan State. Yeah. Um, a little undersized, but he ran in the four threes for Green Bay. I think officially ran in the four fours, but the Packers had him timed at four threes. I always think that's silly. Like they have laser times, Matt. We don't need to have the hand times thing, but <laughs> they he's fast and it is the sort of guy that can get vertical. Luke Musgrave in particular is turning heads. He is a special physical specimen. And much in the same way, I'm sure Lions fans are really excited about some of the stuff that we're hearing about Sam Laporta. Um, Packer fans are the same. And Packers team internally, they feel the same way about Luke Musgrave, who is going to step in day one, it looks like, and start for them. And they have not had an athlete like this since Jermichael Finley pre-ACL. He's he's that kind of athletic ability monster. It's really exciting um, for this. For the youngest, this is crazy, Matt. The youngest team of pass catchers since 1990 it's the 2017 browns second is this packers team mm. average age is 23.4 which means the average pass catcher on this team is not even old enough to rent a car <laughs> well i liked what dobbs did last year and obviously watson came on at the end of the year but uh i think with detroit i mean the golf thing you got to talk about because for the first time in who knows how long there's an actual drafted quarterback on the roster now hendon hooker is not yeah. going to play this year I mean, he's going to hold a clipboard. I would be, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't even play in the preseason and they just redshirted him, held the clipboard. But while they said publicly, Brad Holmes said it, Dan Campbell said it. Oh, we checked with Jared. We told Jared we were doing this. Jared's good with it. And golf is, he's been a great leader in, in doing it. But in the back of his mind, it's like, all right, two years left on my deal. He has a big year this year. He's going to want a big contract. He's going to want to get paid. And, you know, why, why wouldn't he the way he played last year? And, you know, it was crazy to, for that week 18 game to watch Rogers throwing it all over the stadium and Kirby Joseph, you know, with the arm punt interception golf <laughs> meantime was rolling left, throwing back to his right, hitting Raymond down the field, making throws. And so is this the season where Jared Goff kind of silences all the critics and goes back to the Rams Super Bowl days of golf, not saying the lions are going that far, but just somebody that, you know, you know, we are going to have to sign this guy. He is the guy for the future and really establishes himself because 
so many people are so excited about, like you said, Jameson Williams, even though it's week seven, uh, being healthy, Laporta, Gibbs, Montgomery, the O-line. Hey, there's a quarterback here that, yeah, he was a Pro Bowl alternate, but he went and I think he can, uh, I think he can do big things again this year. If there's going to be a concern though with Goff, it has always been, if the offensive line is not stellar, what is he giving you? Right. And I think that's the question is like, okay, what if Penny Sewell misses eight weeks or you have, you know, something, something like that. You know, obviously we can't predict injuries, God forbid, but it just seems like he is going to be more dependent on that supporting cast. And one thing I, I, I worry about at least early for the lions is if Jamison Williams isn't out there, they are slow. Like they DJ Chark was a huge part of their ability to get vertical last year, opening the middle of the field up for Amon Ross St. Brown, who is an awesome, awesome, awesome player. And I still yeah, think part of the reason the Packers didn't draft him is because they had Equinemia St. Brown on the team and it was weird and they knew they were going to cut EQ. But that's a that's a different story for a different day. Um, that would be the thing. Like, how much can he can, can you just be Ben Johnson's scheme lord in year two? Or are teams <laughs> going to be better scouted for your stuff? I think that's that's going to be the big question for me because I've always kind of been higher on Jared Goff than I think most people are. He's talented, arm talent. He can make every throw. You, you mentioned rolling left, throwing back across, finding finding guys open. He can throw sail as well as any any team in the league. Like just drop that in the bucket. But if it has to be off schedule, and the Packers did a pretty good job of keeping him off balance last year. If you look at the two games that the Packers played against him, he's minus EPA in both of those games. Um, two of the best defensive performances of the season, frankly, from the Packers, and yet they lost both of those games. Um, and so that's the concern, right? That that yeah. can they, if there's a loss in pass protection or you don't have Jamison Williams out there, then what does Goff looks like? And that would be where you need Jameer Gibbs to immediately come in and hit home runs. Well, that and that's the thing, Pete. You're you're right. Without JMO, they're not they're not the greatest speed receivers, but I think they're gonna, I think Ben Johnson's gonna have Montgomery behind Goff. And Gibbs in motion, Gibbs in the slot. There's going to be yeah. defenses. Point where, where? Why is he out here? And because he can catch. So yeah, at, when, let Alabama in receiving last year. Right when the draft happened, and he got picked 12th, and we all went, "What are they doing? A running back at 12? Are they out of their minds? This isn't yeah. the 80s." And then they went middle linebacker at 18, and I was really mm-hmm. pissed. But then days later, you go, "I see it," and they find a way. I mean, it's so unlike the Lions to actually have a plan have people on the same page, they're organized. And you know, an assistant coach that everybody thought was leaving decided I'm, I'm going to take my name out of the running for the Panther job and other jobs and stay. It's, it's unheard of, dude. It's like, you know, it's, it's everything that we always thought the Packers were here in Detroit, how organized yeah. and buttoned up they were buttoned up. They were now the lions feel like it's the same thing. It's crazy. Isn't that a credit though, to my guy, Dan Campbell? Like, isn't that it is your guy part of understanding that like when you build something from the ground up the way that they did and you do it the right way and all of the cliches that, that I can spout on this and all of the cliches, I'm sure Dan Campbell spouts for whatever reason, they buy it. They believe it. They understand that they're doing something and they're doing something for a reason. Like you mentioned having a plan, even if the plan is sort of mid having a plan and, and having people buy, and I'm not saying that it is, I'm just saying, even if you have a mediocre plan, having a plan, and and getting people to buy into the execution of that plan is an advantage because you look around the league and there's that great Bill Belichick line and he I, I forget who said it to him 
but it was just like half the teams are going to get out of your way. All you have to do is not be one of those teams that gets in your own way. And I think that the, the Lions have become a team that for years and years and years, they were a team that would just get out of everyone else's way. They beat themselves. No and if they're not going to do that, they're going to be a pain in the ass to play every week. That was true two years ago when they stunk. They were still a pain in the ass to play every single week because they believed in what they were doing. And so I, I think that this is something that they're going to be able to sustain. I think they're going to find new coaches who want to come in and be a part of what they're doing there. And th that is that is a weird place to be right now in the year of our Lord 2023. But it's, it's really cool for the Lions. All right, we're going to finish up here with our pal Matt in just a second. Thanks for making Locked on Packers your first listen every day, every dayers. Next week on the show, we continue with our rookie orientation series. We've got some Aaron Rodgers signature series stuff to get through. July is going to be heavy on the Aaron Rodgers content because until training camp starts, just not a lot to talk about. So uh, we, will be, we will be leaning into the interviews in a big way, which means we're going to have a lot of fun. You guys have really been liking the interviews from this week. Hopefully you like this one as well. So keep an eye on all that. All right, wrapping up with Pete Bukowski, Matt Derry with you as well. Locked on Lions, Locked on Packers, a little Wednesday crossover edition. Great to see Pete and uh, catch up. All right, man. So, you know, there's a lot you said you liked still about the Packers. There's plenty of people, including folks you and I off air, we're talking about that are picking them to finish last. But what what does genuinely concern you outside of the inexperience of the quarterback? Um, just that they have not figured out what's going on on defense. That, you know, they kept um, Joe Barry. And they didn't make any significant sort of upgrade elsewhere. They didn't sign a safety. They let Adrian Amos walk. Darnell Savage um, had his worst season as a pro last year. And they didn't really do anything to address the safety position. That was a, a position of weakness last year. Um, there was just a really cool graphic about average separation with corners in man coverage versus zone, zone coverage. And Eric Stokes. We said Eric Stokes had a down year last year. Well, he was like top five in separation and man coverage. He is still an awesome man corner. They just play a lot of this soft quarter zone. And you're just kind of like, why? why? Like you have the guys to do it. And so much of that is, is on Matt LaFleur at this point, because this is his second defensive coordinator. One of the reasons why he picked Joe Barry, and I'm reading between the lines on this, is that he wanted to have a little bit more say. Matt LaFleur did. He felt like he was having to hold Mike Pettin's hand on some of this stuff. And so he thought, well, why don't I just hire a guy who's going to do what I say? And I think, unfortunately, they've they've outsmarted themselves a little bit on that one. Co coincidentally, and ironically, in, in, in some ways, they were best at the end of the year playing some traditional cover two. The old, the old Rod Marinelli Tampa two that they're running in Detroit when Detroit was terrible with Joe Barry. Don't say um, that, and it yeah. worked. That's the thing. You have Jerry Alexander, Russell Douglas playing squat corner. <laughs> they were doing it. It was working. It was a weird thing to watch and go, this is, this is kind of, no, they're, they're doing some interesting things, playing some cover six, playing, still mixing in some quarters. But uh, that's the part of this that makes me go, do they, do they really have this figured out? If you're going to be optimistic, you're going, okay, Lucas Van Ness, has a chance to come in right away and be impactful on the defensive front, at, whether at edge, whether inside as a pass rusher. They drafted a couple guys on day three, Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks, who just look like they are they are ready, ready to go come in and be pass rushers for you right away. But can you stop the run? Like if you play a Detroit Lions team that wants to come downhill and here comes David Montgomery, here comes Jameer Gibbs, and then you have to stop that. Plus you have to deal with the Monterey St. Brown in the middle of the field and Jamison Williams getting vertical. 
that makes life much more difficult. So it's going to be the defense, which is funny because the defense has way more talent than the offense right now. But I just don't, I don't have full belief in the people with the keys to this defense right now. They're, they don't have a clean driving record as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. It's interesting because the Lions defense is so much better on paper. The question is going to be, can Aaron Glenn, I'm sorry, future head coach Aaron Glenn, can he get, <laughs> can he get the most out of them? And can they perform better statistically and not be a bottom five defense like it's been? But uh, like I said before, the upgraded secondary and, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Cam Sutton and uh, Mobley, I mean, they've, they are Mosley, excuse me, they've, they've upgraded in a big way. I mean, it went from, hey, can Okuda be our best corner to at one point before they released him or traded him, excuse me, to the Falcons, Okuda was like corner number seven. So they're, they're stacked back there. I don't love that they're opening against Mahomes, but I think that's going to be a good group. Um, I would still say that you mentioned running the football against, you know, last year when the Lions went into Carolina and I know the field conditions were terrible, but they just got their asses kicked and got, you know, clobbered by Carolina's run de- uh, run offense. Still concerned maybe that the Lions don't have that D tackle, you know, the guy in the middle, like when, Ken, you know, the Kenny Clark type or whatever that just is a, is a playmaker. And uh, they didn't really go there that, you know, they, they, they took a guy, you know, they, they drafted in the third round, but other than that, I think that's still the spot where they could add um, is the middle of the defensive line. But if Hutchinson's doing his thing and they get Harris healthy and Oquara healthy and, James Houston was a surprise. I think they're going to get to the quarterback. I mean, like I said, they got to the quarterback in week 18 last year. That was one of the big reasons why the Packers offense could not move the ball effectively. They had to bench Josh Nyman in that game and put in the rookie Zach Tom. And I saw, I saw Aiden Hutchinson at the Super Bowl. We talked for a couple minutes. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm six, three. I'm, I'm like 200 pounds. I'm a, I'm a, like just as a normal human, I'm, I'm a big enough guy. Right. Aiden Hutchinson is, is enormous. Yeah. Like absolutely. I've, I was kind of blunt. I knew he was big. I knew he was tall, but you can never tell on a football field. Like, holy crap. That guy is enormous. And I would, I just would hate to have to block that guy. He's, he seems like he's going to be really good for a long time. I think, I think Jacksonville overthought it and Detroit ends up being the beneficiary of it because to me, Hutch was the clear number one overall player in that draft. And I, I kind of can't believe that the Jaguars missed that opportunity, but that's, that's a different story for a different day. No, it is, but it, it's interesting. You bring up a good point. Um, I thought Glenn did a really good job in the second half of the year, especially the two games against the Packers where all of a sudden Hutchinson's dropping back in coverage. He can do it. And you're yeah. utilizing you got an interception players. against Justin Fields, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, and Aaron Rodgers, dang it. <laughs> that's true. Although didn't that bounce off of a helmet? What was that? Mm, that, was no, that was the first one. The second one was they were trying to do an, a throwback to David Bakhtiari. Yeah. And Rodgers, it was one of the dumbest play calls I've ever seen the Packers run, call. And then it was one of the worst throws I've ever seen. Aaron, like Aaron Rodgers with a turnaround jumper yeah. trying to throw the ball. And Hutchinson was just like, thank you very much. I don't even know why I'm going to ask you this to wrap this up. But like how many wins for the Jets are you predicting? Uh I think I believe I have an under nine and a half ticket for them, but I think that they're probably in that nine or 10 win range. Like uh, people acting like they're going to be a 12 win team and be a real competitor in the AFC. I just don't see it. I just don't like they were the healthiest defense in the league last year by, by adjusted games lost Brees Hall. When is he going to be healthy? Aaron Rodgers is apparently like designing the offense, which I have a lot of questions about. They're going to be running like this was, this was the conversation. You'll appreciate this. 
they wanted to run the scheme that Nathaniel Hackett's dad helped pioneer, which means going back to Marty Schottenheimer, like he he's like, okay, well, we could run the Matt LaFleur offense that's sweeping the NFL right now that the Lions are running with Jared Goff and the Vikings are running with Kirk Cousins and, the, and everyone's running. Or we could do something that hasn't worked since 1994. Let's do that. Let's try that. Like, I just think that there's there's potential for this to absolutely explode. I'm going to be here for it either way. I will be there week one, um, Monday Night Football in New York for um, that game. I believe it's got to be football. there. Um, and I can't wait. Yeah. Pete, great to see you. Thanks for uh, for doing this. And it was uh, a lot of fun. Obviously, we'll, we'll get it when we get closer to the season. We'll do some more. But. Had to get an update on what's going on, and hopefully the, your your listeners with the Packers as well get an idea of what's going on in Detroit because it's it's all uh, it's all rainbows and, uh, and roses <laughs> and sunny days every day here in Detroit. It's crazy. I love it. Thanks, Matt. You got it. All right, great to talk to Matt. A little off season crossover edition with the NFC North favorites. We'll see. We'll see what happens. The NFC North, I think, is as competitive as any division in the league. Even if I don't think it's a great division, it's going to be. Really, really competitive. All right, back next week. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live on our Locked on Packers YouTube page, you can do that. Stay Locked on Packers.